Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Conrad alongside Charlie, Chuck Davies, and Hollywood Heath Pierce. And on this day, April 21st, 2022, 210 days to be exact before the first game of the World Cup, we're going to start piecing together our roster, starting with the goalkeepers and the defenders. But first, I think we have to discuss some breaking news as it's been reported that U.S. men's national team defender Chris Richards has been ruled out for the rest of the season in the Bundesliga with Hoffenheim after a thigh injury that he suffered against Greta Fifth. And he was only playing his third match back for Hoffenheim after a three-month absence when he suffered an ankle injury against Canada with the U.S. men's national team back in January. He's missed eight matches in those three months, uh, as well as forced to sit out matches against Honduras, Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica. Heath, I'm going to come to you first on this. And I've got three letters. W-T-F. We have an injury problem, boys. And Heath... Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on another injury for a potentially significant player for the U.S. men's national team? Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's it's concerning. I, it's funny, when, when that came out, I was like, started to rack my brain in a very uh, non-scientific way of like, do we, raise, <laughs> do we raise our young youth to play too many games in too many minutes? Is this like a systemic thing that we've got to address? But yeah, it's just unfortunate. And we're seeing this more and more, not so much injuries because we've all gone through injuries where it's the four to six weeker and maybe it happens once every other season or something like that. But they're like back to back. They're like mounting uh, injuries where you go from a Christian Pulisic gets injured the first time to thinking, oh, no, is he one of these players that's always going to be injured? And that's a scary <laughs> thought when you start to think about how many of our players continuously have reoccurring injuries, whether related or unrelated to the previous injury. OK, and Charlie, obviously somewhat of a same question to you. But is this something that we should be concerned about? Or do you feel like, let's go silver lining here and think, ah, they're getting them all out of the way now so we don't have any injury concerns when the World Cup rolls around in six months? Yeah, I wish it, it was the latter. But <laughs> I, I think when it, comes, when it comes down to it, you got a World Cup and, and there's a buildup. One, you're coming towards the end of this season. So teams are ramping up because in a lot of cases, you're either competing for Champions League places, Europa League places, Cups, um, in some cases, league trophies. So everything is, is intensified or you're battling relegation. And then there's this that, I guess, a month or two of, of kind of, okay, let's take a break before we ramp, really ramp things up. And you got to get that build up after preseason into like 
high octane energy because everyone is trying to make the World Cup roster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and also everyone's trying to find the right place to move to, the right loan if you aren't going to be starting and playing every game because ultimately this is the the most important six months of, of, in a lot of cases, everyone's career because it's going to set you on this path. So you need to guarantee you need to be in a guaranteed spot where you are going to play. You're going to get the opportunity to play. Now, if you play start you start 6 to 10 games and you don't do it, you're going to get you're going to get changed. But at least you have that opportunity. So it's it's a really crucial time where you have to look after yourself and the mental health aspect, the physical health aspect. It's it's really difficult and if you're battling already with nagging injuries and recovery, it's only going to get tougher. So I it is a concern of mine. Well, and, and I think another segue from what you just said was these guys need to play and they need to be playing regularly leading up to the World Cup, which is a nice spot for us to now transition into talking about the goalkeepers, Zach Steffen and Matt Turner, as we look to do this roster build. And I also just want to throw in there that Christian Pulisic didn't play this most recent game against Arsenal, which was probably for the best because Arsenal had their number. And, and Tyler Adams didn't play midweek for RB Leipzig as they booked their ticket to the DFB Pokal final, which RB Leipzig will be favored in against Freiburg because there's no Bayern Munich or Dortmund for them to contend with, even though they've lost two previous finals. Some fun facts there for you guys. Hopefully he gets some valuable minutes. We also have Yunus Musa, who will be playing in the Copa del Rey final for Valencia against Real Betis this upcoming weekend. And he's not looking to be starting in these projected lineups. Gio Reyna's missing out on Dortmund playing against Bayern Munich this weekend and Der Klassiker. These are big, big games for our players to continue to sharpen their abilities throughout this process. But let's just focus on the goalkeepers here. Zach Steffen. Hey, Jimmy, real quick. I, I, this is just a random question before we go in, uh, into oh, the Oh, I love random questions. Keep line. going. Um, did Charlie just want to show us his notes? Is that I think what just he, happened I think right he's now? Got he just want to show us his handwritten he's, notes. He's, he's also, like doing... Charlie loves a certain color. If you look at the shirt that he's wearing, for those of you watching this in video and his backdrop <laughs> and the and the and the picture behind him, yeah. there's a certain there's a certain color that that J Charlie really it enjoys. goes well with the rich mahogany though. But, let's be honest, but, <laughs> Jimmy. This is this is uh, hopefully my first and only derailment of the the flow. No, the it'll, it won't be. But keep but, going. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm setting goals. Um, <laughs> Of all the players uh, that don't play in Europe, whether injured or otherwise, when their team loses, which player is the one that you get the happiest about when their team loses and they don't play because of just their role within the team and us trying to prove ourselves as like a soccer footballing nation? Like which player with team loses and they don't play, you go, okay, good. Like they're not going to be to blame for it. For me, uh, uh, just off the top, it's Pulisic uh, is the number one player that when they lose and he doesn't play, I'm like, yes, can't count against him. Uh, towards the starting lineup. But, you know, you have a number of them that, you know, which one is it that that, that you well, – and same for you, Charlie. So, so I'll, I'll go first, Charlie. When I think about Pulisic, they have a couple guys that are underperforming under Thomas Tuchel. Romelu Lukaku, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz at times, Ziyech. Uh, Mason Mount had his time where he went through a little bit of a slump, even though overall he's had a pretty good season. So, so he wouldn't be alone if things aren't necessarily working. But, yes, I obviously appreciate any time an American's not in the team and the team – is sucking it up. Now, I don't know how much he would have changed uh, the, the result against Arsenal unless he could play some center back. But I would add, I actually like it when Tyler Adams, if, if RB Leipzig loses and Tyler Adams doesn't play, okay. he's such a vital cog to any team, right? Just that position in the field that that when he's on the field and they do well, I'm always like, I'm so, I'm beaming with pride. And then I want them to lose if he doesn't play. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and that's probably the strongest I feel. He's the player that I feel that way the most. Maybe Serginho Des would sneak in there a little bit. 
Uh, I guess I'm le less worried about the attacking players and more worried about the defenders, but that's probably my strong defensive bias. So let's hear from Charlie, a, an attacker. Yeah. For me, it's it's also Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney. I always uh, you only get one, there. Charlie. You only get one. Pick one. <laughs> Jeez, uh, I mean, man. we're all disappointed. Uh, yeah. when, when, you know, I, the, pick for, one, Charlie. One. If I have to pick one, I'm going to go with Weston. Then. Okay. Um, so Juventus because, lose your hat, and he's not on the field. And he's not on the field. Yeah. And he's on the bench. I told oh, you, yeah. told yeah. you so. Yeah. Yeah. The guy. That's why. And and typically when he does play, they win. That, that's just I think re reality because he's he's a, one of those guys that's always going to be working hard. Um, man, uh, the the striker position is de is delicate. I mean, you you look at what Ricardo Pepe is having to deal with as a youngster playing in Europe, and it seems like his team is is on the rise and and going to stay up uh, in the Bundesliga, which I think will be great for him because now he has that experience under his belt and the team can trust in him. They know what they're going to get from him. And oh, he'll have him a summer right too, right? He'll have a proper mm -hmm. off season to work with them as well. But yeah, exactly. So uh, that that's kind of where I'm looking right now, because if you look at the striker position across Europe, we don't really have anyone who, you know, is really turning heads unless Jordan P folk puts himself in a different league and, mm -hmm. and gets, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that's the only way he's going to rise up this ladder because I think he's he's plateaued in Switzerland. And so now for someone who's scoring goals regularly at Young Boys, the only, I think, logical move is going to Liga, going mm -hmm. to Bundesliga. And and I think it's just those two leagues, really. And and playing on a club that is is competing in, in those top leagues. No, I, I think that's a good shout. And and I'm curious. That's it's it's a crazy summer in general for the transfer market with you know Mbappe and Holland and all the big, big names, but then all the American players. I mean, for all the things that we're talking about, they have to go find valuable minutes. Do I want to see Pulisic go into a Southampton so he can start every game instead of I don't know, is that what we'd want with somebody? Was, I mean, I guess Zach Steph, the goalkeepers feel a little bit different because they just need minutes. They need to see shots. They need to be able to hopefully elevate the defense in front of them to, to play well. And I think there's more for them to gain by playing on a team where they'll get more minutes. And, and uh, we saw it with Ramsdale and, and other other goalkeepers that are starting to emerge. Like they went and proved themselves at a, maybe a quote unquote smaller club. So they get that chance with the first club. And now we want to translate that into performances with the national team. So, so I guess from a goalkeeper position, I don't know. I think Zach Steffen needs to leave Manchester City. I know that he had, quote-unquote, a disaster in, in uh, the FA Cup semifinals against Liverpool. Didn't shower himself with glory. I, I, I don't want to make any excuses for anybody, but I do want to mention that six goals were scored in that game, and all six happened on one half with sun in the eyes for both defenders and goalkeepers. I, I, will, just, I, I do Jim, find that to be interesting. Go ahead. Jimmy, I will add this, though, too. Let's not pretend like Ederson or Alisson hasn't made the sim a same a Agreed. similar mistake right Agreed. when when a keepers play out of the back i don't care who you are you're a keeper there's no room for error if you're mm -hmm. a midfielder if you're a striker you can try and play a killer ball you can try things mm -hmm. and they don't work you're not punished as a keeper that's the price you pay and for for a lot of managers out there they want their keepers to play they want their keepers to get on the ball so that's the risk that you 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 kind of are are forced to kind of overcome and and in a lot of cases, it's going to happen to you if you're a keeper. It's just going to happen. Especially, especially if you have a philosophy from Pep Guardiola, the manager, who expects that out of you to be someone that can be very Well, he was brought there because situations. he's comfortable on, in, uh, on the ball, right? That was right. one of the things that he was good at. That's why he was, he was brought there. My, my, my issue comes down to more like it more highlights the need for him to have more reps because it's, if mm -hmm, it's based mm -hmm. on, on, on repetitions, 
making a crucial error based on the number amount of balls that you're playing out of back is a much larger percentage than an Ederson who's going to do it, you know, once or twice in a season. It's going to mm-hmm. be a, probably in a big moment as well, but it's not. It's going to be able to be sort of balanced out over like, hey, eventually it's going to happen. You know, kind of the playing with fire, 30, you're going to get burned eventually. Yeah. yeah, but for Zach Steffen getting a small run of games to have a mistake like that, you go, well, look at that. What's the reason behind that? Is it because he made a mistake at a bad time or is it because it's a lack of of minutes and sharpness that I think, you know, we have to, to so, analyze through? So I think we, we, we have that caveat. We understand he's got a short sample size to prove himself. But then we have a comment here from Ozzy, and I appreciate your insight here. He says, they've made mistakes, but if you're a bench warmer, the one time you get your chance, you have to set up Stefan not cutting it. But don't you feel like if you know that that's the premise, that he only has a small window to prove himself, that that he has to be perfect, where other where to your guys' points, other guys have more time to make mistakes and to work through those mistakes. It feels a little unfair to hold them to that standard when you're not holding the other guys to the same standard because there's just they have more room to breathe and you're like, well, it's Ederson, it's Allison. Like it, and, but but Zach Stefan hasn't had those run of games to really earn that same type of trust. Well, it's a really tricky situation, Charlie. In, in the same breath, though, they've had to, they were in that same situation. And and they took their chance. So mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, it's it's unfair, but that's the reality. That's how sure. things are. You have that's to earn your way sports. up, and you have yeah. to get your you have to get your chance and take it. And so um, I saw in the comments, there the the more concerning part was getting beat near post, and we've seen that in World mm-hmm. Cup qualifying as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So some of the the shots that have gone in and found the back of the net, I think the keepers could have done better with Matt Turner had his moment in Panama, um, which we were like, ah, oh, that keeper's got to make that save. And Zach Steffen, we've seen that a couple of times. So it's not so much, I'm not worried at all about keepers playing with their feet. At the end of the day in the World Cup, probably defenders are going to be launching that thing down into the channels. Like, let's mm-hmm. be real. Or they're going to play forward. They're not going to use the keeper like they do at Manchester City. He, he's on, he's available, but ultimately it's probably going to be played forward. I think the concerning part for me is, these goalies are in the goal for shot stopping. But if you're making mistakes and taking the wrong angles and giving up goals at your near post, that's what's concerning for me or coming out for the no, ball that's and fair. mistiming it. I mean, I, I think that near post won that goal that Sadio Mane scored, which was the third goal right before halftime too, right? You need your goalkeeper to make big saves in big games. And he needed to make that save, not only for the team, but for himself, just to have some confidence going into it. I think it had a 0.04 XG for that shot to go in by Sadio Mane. And, for him to get beat by the near the near post, you're right, is is a bit concerning. We also saw in the game against Costa Rica when he came out kind of flapping for for a cross, and mm-hmm. and you know that's concerning. You just want to see some consistency in the decisions, and mainly good decisions, not necessarily ones that uh, just pause. And Panama so, too. And Panama too. And Matt Turner didn't have a great game against Canada in Canada, where you know a goal kick that things aren't organized, you know, little things too, where where that was his thing. Like, all right, well, Matt Turner's finally showing some vulnerability here. I think this position is wide open. So let's say Heath Pierce, we're 210 days now in advance. Who do you, who are you starting in, in in the World Cup? And then and then also, while you're kind of giving me that over that the mm-hmm. big overarching theme, who do you go with in these June friendlies? Assuming Matt Turner is healthy, because I would try to go to Stefan as soon as possible to say, "Hey, I got your back. We believe in you." Because if you all of a sudden you let that one mistake start to define him in some capacity, that could mess with his confidence a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I still stick with Stefan just because I think it's 
he's re- he's at an age now and he's at a point where he's got to spread his wings and fly. We saw this actually, if you go back to Tim Howard to Manchester United, he, different circumstances because Tim was given the number one job and then mm-hmm. lost the job and then ended up making that eventual move to Everton where he became a, a, a massive star for the club, right? And just settling into a club that was the right situation, the right size with the right ambition, playing in Europe, but where he could own that spot and 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 took his chance and and, and never looked back. I think Zach Steffen's getting that point now where he's got he he's got to uh embrace that discomfort of having to go somewhere else. Now, the the other issue with Zach Steffen is is health, right? We we've we've seen that throughout qualifying, we've seen that at Man City, these back spasms, these different issues that he has. That's what I'm worried about, but but the reason I have him in my World Cup is cuz I think summer will come and he's been the backup for long enough at at City that it's time for him to go and challenge himself. Yes, he's had a loan move, and he hasn't been actually physically the same since that loan move that he had uh, in in Germany. But I think it's time for him to, to move on, and therefore I, I see it resolving himself and and us having a much sharper Zach Steffen, who, by the way, might not be as sharp with his feet wherever club he ends up, because it's probably going to be a club that doesn't play like Man City and doesn't use his feet as often, is asked to just you know clear the lines, which for better or worse uh, may be the case, but will be better at shot stopping and more sharp because he's facing that on a regular basis. So I'm going with Zach Steffen. Yeah, I'm going to go with him too, but I, I think it does depend on where he goes in the summer. He needs games. Mm-hmm. And and I know that you brought up Tim Howard, great example, him going to Everton. I don't know if I'd want him to go to this current Everton team. They are not good, uh, but he would face a lot of shots and he would be getting a lot of experience to make that happen. We'll see if uh, Frank Lamfrod, as I like to call him, can keep them up this uh, particular thing. It's a really bad joke. Charlie, you're Zach Steffen. You know he's he's gone over to Germany before to play. Do you would you prefer him to stay maybe in the Premier League and go on loan to potentially a Fulham that's coming up or or somewhere where he's going to get a lot more action or where do you think would be the best fit for for Zach Steffen? Well, if you're looking at the Premier League, um, I think you look at Brighton, you look at Wolves, you look at uh, Crystal Palace. Um, Newcastle, uh, some of those teams, I think in the the mid tier where you don't want to come up and and start for a a team that's coming out of uh, the the championship. It's just going to be one of those things where all of a sudden you're back in, you know, relegation fight for the whole season and you're getting peppered. You want to, you want an an organized defense. You want to be able to have a, a, you know, a, a reasonable season in terms of competing for, for trophies too. And and also not seeing you know twenty shots a game, so if what do, you, what do you think, are, do you think he's earned enough respect though? Do you guys think he's earned enough respect to go and be brought in uh, as a? I, don't, I guess maybe not, quote, maybe unquote, not an out one. and out number one, but like he, could, I think, put him in a position oh. where he can. Oh no, you're, right? you're not you're not moving anywhere if you're not the out and out number one. That's the whole. Uh, I mean, leaving not out and out number one, but your spot to lose essentially. You're bringing them in to yeah. solve the goalkeeper issue that you have, so you're signing him, and therefore but you're the if you're, one. If you're crap, someone's going to replace you. Um, that, that's the case yeah. anywhere, but yeah. you're the coming in as the one. Yeah. And and if, and if it's not the premier league, I, I would definitely not say the championship. Then I'd say, go, go to the Bundesliga. And he had success in the Bundesliga. So, um, I think that's a, an, a, a, a league where he could have a lot of success it, given he's with the right team. So if you're looking at the Bundesliga now on that table, Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, Muchen Gladbach, uh, you know, even even Wolfsburg yeah, teams or, or like Bochum. on the cusp of qualifying yeah. for Europe. Yeah. yeah, Union Berlin. Those are clubs that I think would be appealing for him. 
Now, I want to throw out there that I think Southampton, they've given up the six most goals in the Premier League. They've got 34-year-old Fraser Forster, who's played half the games, and Alex McCarthy, who's 32, played half the games. And they don't really seem like they have a settled number one. None, neither one of them is lit it up, obviously. They're giving up a lot of goals. And it's not always on the goalkeeper. It's the team in front of them as well. But but that could be a nice spot to play for Ralph Husenhuddle, and I think he'd get a lot of experience. I might throw that in there. Leeds have given up more goals than anybody else, but... Uh, you know, Jesse Marsh, how many Americans can he bring in? He's got Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson and everybody else coming in this this particular upcoming window. So it's pretty interesting to see. But let me go back to you, Charlie. Give us a Matt Turner update on what's happening mm -hmm. with Matt. Uh, obviously, he's going to make his move to Arsenal over the summer. But up until then, he's going to be playing for the New England Revolution. He's been coming off a bit of a foot injury that he says kind of one thing. And Bruce Arena says it's frostbite yeah. from that really cold game in Minnesota. Uh, what's his status and, and how long do you think he's back to performing at his very best once he finally gets healthy? Well, well, he is healthy. He's training. Okay, great. great. Um, for, for Matt Turner, it's, it's a lot of time off and it's not just you're off training to the side. It's doing nothing. You, you're off your feet. So mm -hmm. there's atrophy. And so when your muscles lose strength and they, and they kind of shrink, you got to build your whole body back up. And that's the process he's going through now. And it's smart because you're not just thrown back out there. It, it, you have to build up every little muscle that you have in, in your legs and your backs and your arm. And so um, I think it's, it's going to be one of those things where we're going to see Matt Turner in probably two weeks or so get back on the pitch, uh, maybe early May. Um, and then he'll be with the, the club till July 1st and he's back to Arsenal. I think when he gets to Arsenal, Ramsdale's the one, right? That's not going anywhere. That's not changing. Right. It's who's the two. Now, if he's the two, he's not going to be loaned out. He's going to stay at Arsenal. If he's the three or the four, and I, and I don't think that would be the case, but if he's the three, there's also a, a decent chance that he could get loaned out. Now, if that's to the championship, why does somebody if, sign him then? Like, I don't understand mm -hmm. why they go after a Matt Turner. That, that I know one, you need depth. That, I need I, you need depth for sure at a club the size of Arsenal. But like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a strange one for me too because if, if they didn't have a, a one and who's an English keeper who's already in consideration for the English national team, then I'd say, oh, that's good. But this is a case where you're going to be behind a young English national team keeper. This is not the only way you're playing is if he is really poor for a long time or he's injured. That's it. So the only upside that you have is that you're playing at Arsenal. You're collecting a, a big paycheck similar to the, the same position as Zach Steffen. You're not playing over Ederson. He's a world-class keeper, arguably the, the best keeper in the and world. He, he's not even number one for his national team, Ederson, which mm -hmm. is even crazier. So, But, it, but it, yeah, go ahead. So, keep going. So just in that case, the only way – you're going to progress is by making a move from that club. Mm -hmm. So you're using it as, as kind of to elevate your status and you're taking obviously a huge paycheck. You're training great. You're playing reserve games, cup games in some cases, but you're, you're the only way you can continue to evolve and maximize your potential is by making a move from that club. Yeah. I think this is a new experience Heath, for, for Matt Turner and, an, uh, an adventure that I think will help him elevate his game. Now, if we're two years into this, like we are with Zach Steffen, and it's kind of more of the same, and we haven't seen him maybe take those big steps that we know he's capable of, but maybe he's not doing it as consistently as we like, Matt Turner's new into this part of his journey. So I think that'll still be a, a version of Matt Turner that even if he's not getting regular minutes, I still think he'll be up for it and ready to perform. That That's my two cents uh, on that one. But now... 
because it still feels a little gray as to who our proper number one is for the national team, eyes have been naturally turning to Gaga Slonina, our maybe our best young talented goalkeeper in our pipeline in this country, 17-year-old Chicago Fire. There's no already, question. Already playing super well for Chicago this particular season. And the Polish national team coach, because he can play for Poland as well, everybody, flew over to Chicago. Well, first to, first to New England, Jimmy. First he, to New England? He was he was at the game for New England Revolution versus Charlotte. And he was watching Adam Buxa versus Federski. So his two you know, backup strikers um, to Lewandowski were playing against each other. And so I watched him just watching the game. He was hanging out with the with the Revolution coaching staff. And now he's obviously going to going to check out Gaga Slonina. So this is this it's is a, a big one. That's a problem. This is a problem. So so Heath, I'm gonna come to you on this because you've been on the Selenina mm-hmm. hype train from the very beginning and, and rightfully so he's a tremendous talent. If you're Greg Burhalter I say, dude, you're, you're going to start the First Nations League game against El Salvador. We're going to cap tie yep. your ass. Okay. <laughs> That's yep. one. Second, you're number three goalkeeper for the World Cup in 2022. I mean, you're going to yep. the World Cup. Don't worry. You're going to go with us. That's one. Sean Johnson, unlucky buddy. Like, we got the pressures, like, crushed us now. We got to take Gaga with us. And also, you're going to be legitimately competing to be the number one for the 2026 World Cup. And how cool would that be to be the number one in the World Cup that we're hosting? Even, I mean, could you make those types of promises? To a 17-year-old at this point, I mean, we have plenty of kids that can play, but obviously he's the one that's emerged as an incredible talent. Yeah, I think I think you can make that promise, and maybe right. it's it, maybe it's circumstantial based on yeah your health and playing and all those kinds of things. But I would still bring him in and get him his games, like cap time for sure. You obviously want him to buy in uh, and, and not just uh, you know cap tie for the sake of cap time. You want him to be fully in on the process, but. Of all the goalkeepers that I think could benefit out of games this summer for the national team, me as a fan, I'd still rather see Slonina over the other two that I kind of know what I'm going to get. They're talking Sean Johnson, Horvath. Well, yeah, I, uh, Sean Johnson. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't see the value of that. And even if he is your number three, I still don't see the value of that versus Slonina. Yeah, Ethan Horvath, same thing. Uh, you know, I, I still think Slonina should have a shout now. There's still things about his game that are very indicative of, of a teenage kid who's getting matches. But if he is your future, you start working him in now. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a of a of a scary situation, you know, because I think Poland could probably promise him a lot more than the U.S. Um, at, at no, the moment. But. No doubt. Okay, no doubt. so so Charlie, where are you on this? I mean, if you're the Polish national team coach, you're telling him, okay, we're going to take you to the World Cup. You're, you're not going to start, but you'll be mm-hmm. there with us. We can promise the same thing. And then after that. You know, I mean, they do have some big Nations League games coming up, so that would be if they gave him a game there to cap time. That you know, he could get a game against the Netherlands, uh, amongst others that they're going to be playing here over the next couple months. You know, what 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 are you saying that that I, he's played with our youth national teams at the U15, U16, U17, U19, and U20. Mm-hmm. He's played at all of our youth national teams. He has to obviously have some tie to to not only the the u.s program but also oh, some of the players that he's developed with so so what can you say if you're poland and, and do you think he'll go because right now it feels like it's just up to the player well i, I had the opportunity to speak to him last month well you've been holding out on us you could have started yeah. there charlie yeah no i was waiting you know. <laughs> um, i will say he is such a, a mature 17 year old i mean he's wise beyond his years he's focused he, he he's his preparation is i think second to none for a 17 year old he has his eyes on the future. 
and as well as the present. He's he's very focused and he takes a the game to game approach. Uh, what I will say is, just like Julian Green with Klinsman, I think you know all these these um, national teams were kind of out for Julian Green, whether it's Germany and, and the the promise of a, a World Cup spot. I think is is pretty strong. And I think that's what kind of moved him to go with the U.S. He saw a future. He saw myself, you know, being there for a long time. Look at what we've done for Yunus Musa. He had a number of opportunities. He could have waited, but he went with a, a guarantee, which was the U.S. men's national team now, not waiting for England and, and the chance to join England. It's now guaranteed opportunity and a future. Serginho Dest, guaranteed now and a future. And it's an exciting project. It's a, it's a number of young players looking to take U.S. soccer to a whole nother level together, right? And that's and a World Cup coming in 2026. There's no better, I think, project to be a part of than the U.S. men's national team, considering all the potential. But for Gaga Slonina, you also have to look at my position. Mm-hmm. Zach Steffen is 27. Matt, Tur- Matt Turner and Ethan Horvath, 26. They're in front of me. That's young for a goalkeeper. One's at City, one's at Arsenal, one's at Nottingham Forest, and and probably going to move from Nottingham Forest this summer. Okay, okay. It's a mountain to climb. It's a mountain to climb. Well, I look at Poland's national team. They got Wojciech Chesney, 32, plays at Juventus. So it's probably his last World Cup. You got uh, Skorupski, who has got six caps. He plays for I don't see why that would be his last World Cup, though, at 32. You know, okay, like, or thir- he'll be 36 and 26. Then. But that's not even a guarantee if they get to a World Cup. I, I, who I really like, though, is uh, they got Dr- Drakowski, who's got one cap. He plays for mm-hmm. Fiorentina. He's a good goalkeeper. He's only 24. Mm-hmm. I, would uh, take, I, would take, I would take Slonina over, over him. Yeah, I would, too. They got Majeki as well. Chelsea was after him. I mean, this is – it's not I get like it. I get he's it. a great kid. He's, Chelsea's, he was going to be at a bigger club than, than all of them. Chelsea was after Matt Miazga as well. How did that go? I mean, it's not like – I don't know. I, yeah, I get it. Slonina for me is a much better prospect than than Miazga. I, mm-hmm. I I feel like that. But but they got Majeki as well. I'm just I'm just looking at Polish national team goalkeepers. He's 22. He plays for Monaco. So it's not like they're lacking options. The right. Polish national team for young goalkeepers. Obviously, if you have a chance of taking a stab at at a terrific young talent, why wouldn't you bring him in and try to get him mm-hmm. into the system as soon as possible? But but this would be for me. This would be a really big miss. And I think a a mark on Greg Berhalter. Who's done an excellent job, I think, of recruiting players up until this point. Well, you know, you, if we you lost Sonina. Uniquely, though, countries have super talents at that age. And we tend to, and we always have, overhype a young super talent because he's playing. He's got mm-hmm. he's got some stats that go in his favor. Mm-hmm. But most other countries would have him in a U20 system, and then they, you know, they'd have him in, they'd be in playing in if you were, say, Poland, you'd play in the mm-hmm. Euros, you'd have sort of that breakout, you'd sort of be on the, there it just always feels like there's a little bit more guardrails in sort of developing that talent. Whereas like, I actually see, you know, now that you guys both presented uh, really good arguments for and against uh, Slanina to the US or Poland, is that he actually seemingly has a, a good opportunity to be the one for the US for 2026. Obviously, that's a lifetime away. But when you're talking about guys going to, okay, we're going to have somebody at Arsenal. We're going to have somebody at, at, at city. They'll probably not be there in 2026 unless they're the one. And so if they're a player at 17, if you're at now, what 21, 22, uh, come the world cup, you've got five years of experience. He might very well be on a different path. And again, not to overhype him, but he could be on more of a Donnarumma path or, um, you know, the young Valdez or, or, or what's his mm-hmm. name that was at Real Madrid. Like he's on a pathway now starting at goalkeeper, 17 years old. 
and getting results that his pathway could be to being a at a big club as a number one in his early 20s come as, 2026. I would say as long as he makes the right decision in terms of the next step. Mm-hmm. And you talk, you said you, you said it perfectly, Heath. There's under 20s. There's Olympic team. Then there's a full team. We're not in the U.S. Typically, you're not jumping from star under 17 unless you're Beasley and Donovan in, in 2002. But typically, you gotta you gotta you gotta take the next step, which is under 20. Prove yourself there. Then under 23. Sometimes there's late bloomers. They come out of nowhere. And then it's the full team. There's proper steps, just like there is in in, in professional in the professional game. To for career development, you need playing time. For a young keeper like Gaga Slonina, who's 17 and he's getting all these clean sheets, but he's playing, you can't go from that mode to all of a sudden going to Chelsea and not touching the field for five, six years. And right. then going, then be, your contract runs out and maybe they extend you because they loved you as a backup. And then you're there for another six, six years. You got to go to the next club in Europe where you're going to play. And a lot of times you're not going to the Premier League to play first. Maybe you start at in the in the Eredivisie in, in Holland, and you're playing for a PSV, a Feyenoord, an Ajax, a top club there, of course. Or you're going to, to Denmark, you're playing for a Copenhagen, you're playing for the teams that are competing for the league trophy, which then brings you to Champions League or Europa League, Bundesliga, going to a mid a, a mid tier team. You're going to the next step. You're not jumping 10 steps and going to a top Champions League club and expecting to play at a young age. So I think Gaga Sonina could definitely be the man. And he's confident. He's the type of player that'd say, yeah, Matt Turner might be there. Zach Steffen might be there. Horvath might be there. But I know I'm better than him when I reach my potential. So I'm going to believe in myself and I'll stick with the U.S. men's national team. Greg Berhalter has been the one who's saying, hey, I'm not just going to give you a national team spot because people are are chatting or because there's a hype around you. You have to earn it. And I think in his mind, he's like, you're not ready yet. So I'm not just going to hand you a cap just to cap tie you. I don't want to do that to you. So there's two sides of the coin. It's, yeah, you could rush them in and do it. Or you could say, you know what? When you're ready, I'm going to call you in. And that's how I've always operated. And I'm not going to change it for anybody. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because this could set a certain type of precedent that you're speaking about, Charlie, as to a national team manager getting his hand forced. I think at the very least, if Gaga Saladina does go and choose the the U.S. and does represent us at the World Cup, whether he plays or not, he's going to have to write a thank you letter to Poland for really forcing Greg Berhalter's hand to make all that happen. <laughs> but he, he calls guys in and then he's able to say, this is a Greg Berhalter mastermind of calling guys in and then he's able to say, I'm not just watching them from a distance. I had them into camp and I can see whether they're at the international level or not. Mm-hmm. And the national team is about being at the international level. It's not about potential. Obviously, it's a number of players that we've argued for. Great, bring them in, bring them in. And then he brings them in. They don't play. He doesn't bring them in again. You go, bring them in. They're playing well at their club team. But clearly, he's he like, has I've this seen ability. Him. I've seen him. <laughs> yeah. I've seen him right, with my own right. eyes now. I've seen him well, in this he's atmosphere. Done that. And they're he's not done it with yet. what? Joe Scally, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Uh, Mihailovic, who we're going to talk about in a little yes, bit. Yes, we're going to talk like, about, about him after the break. So, Charlie, I'm going to come back to you. Tell me who your starter is against Morocco in the first friendly, against yep. Uruguay, if it's the same starter, goalkeeper position. Mm-hmm. And then who are you starting in the Nations League games? I'm very curious to see what you think for these upcoming games. It's Zach Steffen. He's your one. All the way through? No. Okay. But he's your, he's your one in that game against Morocco. That's okay. for sure. I mean – even Pep Guardiola said it after the game. Keepers make mistakes. He was more impressed with his reaction mm-hmm. after that mistake than the actual mistake itself. 
because that shows a lot about your character. And I think we've seen a number of players, whether you're a keeper or a field player, you make a, a massive mistake that's posterized around the globe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's easy to sink down. It's easy to give up more mistakes and kind of, and just like turn into a puddle. Right. He actually kept going. And I think that's what was like stood out to not only Pep Guardiola, but the teammates, you know, yeah. Ederson has his back, but I think he's the starter for the first okay. game. Right. And then you and then you assess how he did in that game. Then it goes to the next game. He doesn't have this leash of like you're the number one no matter what. Is how is he moving? Does he look healthy? Because I don't think he's looked healthy the past six months. So is he is he moving well? Is he is he making the right decisions? And then how how is he played? If if those things are in order, he's your one. Okay. Now now with regard to. I think what's important, Heath, I'll come to you with the same questions, is we don't have that many meaningful games from now until the World Cup starts. 210 days. We got six games, I think, that are on the schedule. We will probably have some yeah. behind-the-scenes friendlies or, or inter-squad stuff that, whatever, you can try to determine what you want from those. But they're not going to be the same as the Nations League with a little bit of juice on it and some big-time friendlies against some, some big-time opponents that we're seeing in, in Morocco and Uruguay. So I, for me, I'll just go first. I'll say Stefan in Morocco game. I want to see, even though I agree with Charlie, you kind of want to see how the defense and team is playing because we have to really think about the relationships and camaraderie and rapport we're trying to build between certain partnerships on the field. I'd probably go with Matt Turner against Uruguay. And then for Nations League, if we really have feeling some pressure from Slonina, I would maybe start him in that one so we get him cap tied. Uh, maybe, <laughs> not, maybe not El Salvador, but, but definitely Granada. Where where are you on 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 where the who the goalkeeper should be for those these selection of games? Yeah, weirdly going into the summer, the most important ones to me are the, are oddly the friendlies, even though there's no consequence yeah, right. to them because against opponents, right? It, you have your you have a chance to roll out your best team. Now, if those teams are going to bring their best teams, which I hope they will, and I, I'm assuming they're planning have the same stress of like we need to get our team together as much as possible. I'm I'm playing Zach Steffen in 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 the two friendlies because they're big. It's our chance for the team to have. A, another rhythm against a different type of opponent mm -hmm, a couple of mm -hmm. times. And when you get into the nation's league, I think you can tinker a little bit more. And that's where I see Matt Turner involved. I see, I see Gabriel Slanina. If, if he hasn't decided to go with Poland, uh, getting his caps as well and starting to work him in and seeing him in, in that environment, but also getting him uh, some time on the field. All right, everybody, we're going to take our first and only break of the show. We just discussed all the goalkeeper situation. I'm sure there'll be some high drama along the way. We still have plenty of time before the World Cup starts. But when we return, we're going to talk about the defenders that we want to see in these upcoming friendlies, which ultimately will be probably the team and defenders we want to see for the World Cup itself. And we're going to talk about a special interview that our very own Hollywood Heath Pierce did with Georgie Mihalovic, who's on the outside looking in to try to get into this U.S. team. So don't go anywhere. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. We are dissecting some of the lines of the U.S. men's national team roster. We started with the goalkeeper line. We're going to start with the defenders up next. But before we do, Heath Pierce, you did a special interview. I teased it right before the break with Georgie Mihailovic from Montreal, who's off to a great start in MLS. He's obviously gotten a couple looks with Greg Berhalter before. What was that interview like? What conversations have you had with Greg Berhalter throughout the process? Have, has there been a, a continued dialogue? You mentioned something he said to you earlier in the show. I mean, sort of where, where do you stand right now with, with, with regard to the U.S. men's national team? Yeah, I think the conversation I had with him is, is nothing but positive. Um, I was in January camp this year with him, and, and he was happy with what he saw. Um, and, and he said, I don't know, going forward, it's, it's, it's form. That's form that matters, especially in a World Cup year. You know, Nations League is well coming up. It's the players that are, that are in the most form that are going to get the get the looks. And, and yeah, it's having this the World Cup in the year is, is something that, that I strive for. Um, it's this idea that, that drives me every day to go, go and play at the best level I can because, you know, um, I'm sure you know, like, the, when the World Cup year comes around, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that it's like the pinnacle of a professional soccer player's career to play in this competition so uh, this idea that going to the world cup it it just motivates you um Mm -hmm. and you know most recently i haven't had much conversation with him uh but hopefully when when the next camp comes around that there'll be some some dialogue you know i i always go back to my world cup qualifying cycle or the one that i was involved the most in with 2010 and for an attacking player and i say this a lot that there was a number of players that actually went to the world cup and now there might be 26 they're saying in terms of roster size but you know that year that that i was in guys that weren't part of any of our not really not not at all involved but somewhat kind of distant to our world cup qualifying were players like Edson Buttle uh Hercules Gomez uh, Robbie Finley, those three guys went to the World Cup and it was all based on like this form of just timing and the fact that we were going into a World Cup and, and, and that they could play a specialty type of role. You know, some of the tools that you have is, have you thought about any of that of, of you know, one, when the news came out that there might be an expanded roster size for a World Cup, but two, just sort of a, a potential role that you could play uh, within the national team if, if you were called in late uh, heading towards the World Cup? Yeah, no, um, no, this... The role, uh, whatever whatever role that they they have for me is, I'm obviously going to take it, 100. Uh, you know, whether it's the the last man on the bench or a starting position, it's I'm going to take this just to go to the World Cup. Um, you know, I haven't thought much about having an expanded roster, what that means for for my chances. You know, like you said, you know, going into the World Cup, it's it's form that that's probably the most important. And if I'm playing well this season, you know, and, and I get called into the summer camp and, and I do well there and I prove that, you know, maybe I am a guy that, that belongs with this squad. Um, a lot of guys are saying that this is the, the golden generation of U.S. soccer. So, so if, if the coach and his staff thinks that I belong with that, with that group, then, then that's obviously a very great thing for me. But, but yeah, at the end of the year, it's, it's the most important when you're, if you're playing well with your club. Well, you've definitely got a lot of people kind of backing you. You know, obviously your, your, your teammate Alistair Johnson said, I'll put it like this. As a Canadian, I wouldn't like to go up against him on a consistent basis. Maybe it's best that they're actually keeping him out. So thank you, Greg, for leaving him at home, but he deserves it. So there's clearly, I mean, you know, people out there taking the shots for you that, that think that you should be in the national team. Looking back at this World Cup qualifying cycle, was there any moments or any systems or anything where you thought well, I could have an impact or, or here's some things that like in terms of your skill sets that you bring to the table that you think are different than what the current roster uh, offers? 
Yeah, no, it's obviously I'm, if I'm not called in, I'm a huge supporter of the national team. Uh, I think I'll always be a fan first on my couch watching the games. And, and that's how I, I kind of felt uh, maybe a little bit, uh, no, dang, I, I wish I was there. You know, yeah, that's normal. That's, that's normal. That's normal. Yeah. But, but no, besides that, it's, no, it's nothing short of being just supportive of, of the team. Um, and yeah, of course, I want to be there. Of course, I'm not, I'm not going to say, oh, like I should be there. I should be there. I'm not going to say any of that. But, but I know that the only, the only way I'm going to get there is, is playing well with the club. And, and you know, scoring, assisting, being in good form, and and also helping the team win. That's great. I uh, look forward to getting more of that insight. And we highly encourage you to catch all the videos that we put out on YouTube. And Soccer We Trust is the YouTube channel. If you're not already following, come find us. Hit like, hit subscribe, and turn on your notifications so you catch all the fun stuff, including ones that are maybe outside of what we're doing on podcast form. So looking 3, forward to 3,000 subscribers. Let's go. I know. We just hit 3,000 subscribers. That's a big deal. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we're the little engine that could here in the podcast space, and we appreciate all of the love and adoration that you have. More custom for walls for podcast. Charlie Davies. More That's custom it. walls. We want to get I'm, Charlie I'm Davies live. get more mahogany walls. I'm at, No, I'm actually in a treehouse right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> All right, boys, let's talk about our defenders. Let's start with the wingbacks because I think we're all pretty similar on what we want to see. Uh, Charlie, I'm going to go to you first, but I'm going to start by saying I want to see Dest. We need to get Dest back into the team. We haven't yes. seen him in a while. Mm -hmm. I think that he should be starting, especially these two first friendlies. I agree with Heath that Morocco and Uruguay are going to provide different types of competition, different types of looks. And I think that from a defensive perspective, when it comes to Sergio Dest, I want to see him under pressure. And I think Morocco and Uruguay will provide that in a way that, with no disrespect to El Salvador and Granada, they're just not going to attack us in the same type of way. You have to be more switched on for those two teams because they can hurt you if you're pressing up and maybe our balance is a little bit off or team shape's a little bit off. So you have to be alert. But I feel like the consistent pressure that we'll be under from Uruguay and Morocco's attack will we'll be able to kind of see Serginho working in those really important relationships with his center backs and anybody that's in front of him or in the midfield. So I want to see Des on one side. And of course, Anthony Robinson, congratulations to him and Tim Ream for getting promoted with Fulham. That's going to be a big deal. Having Anthony Robinson get three or four months of Premier League experience prior to playing at a World Cup. I think he's going to be sharp and ready to go. So let's just hope he's healthy going into that and getting some valuable minutes under Marco Silva, the manager of Fulham. Congratulations to him as well. It's a job well done. So those are my wingbacks. Those are the guys that I would start. And to Heath's point, I'd probably start both of those guys in, in the two friendlies. And then in the Nations League, maybe you try a Yedlin. We already know what he can bring. You can try a Cannon. Maybe if you're interested in bringing a Scallion, that would be another an opportunity to see Scallion in the Nations League games. But for these friendlies, I'm going with Des and Anthony Robinson. What do you say, Chuck? Yeah, spot on. I mean, those are two players who have locked spots. They are locked in starters for this U.S. Women's National Team come World Cup. Anthony Robinson just continues to impress. I would not be surprised if he gets purchased in, in the summer, even though Fulham are going up to the Premier League. He's really deserved. I mean, he was close to going to AC Milan. So I think at this point, a lot of clubs have taken notice of, of his versatility and, and his commitment to get down the left flank as a left back. Des, it, it seems like he earned the trust of, of Xavi just from competing and, and training and listening and growing. Uh, Danny Alves, I, I'm sure, helped in, with that. So that's a right back that understands now, yes, we know what we're going to get from him in the attacking half of the game. He, he's a game changer as a right back. But defensively was always the concern. Is he physical enough? Is he tough enough? Mm -hmm. Is he taking mm -hmm. the right positions? Is he 
getting too exposed because he goes he bombs forward. I think he's improved tremendously from from his time at Barca. So now it's just bringing that to the international game, which is which is a whole nother level. So for me, those are your two locked in outside backs. Yeah, I agree. You play with those those two as, as often as you can. So Junio Dest is the one that I just want to continue to get him in and around the team. Because mm-hmm. I think the more we've seen him, the more we've settled on, okay, there's certain expectations we need to have of him defensively. But if he can do certain things in the attack, if he can contribute in a way, this team is clearly, with Tyler Adams on the field, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, willing to do the work for him if he's contributing in the right way. Now, if he's just a floating attacking defender that's not having the impact that we need him to have, same with Robinson on the other side. If he's getting up and out of position and stretching us too high and wide, we're going to get punished. And the more that they can show their value through the impact that they're having offensively, the more I think we have a team that's willing to do the work behind them. And I think that's a really nice balance that we're seeing come out of the team, rising to this idea of saying we don't need to just have traditional sit-at-home fullbacks. We can we can have a little bit more of that uh, uh, offensive shape. And also, with the way teams are going to play against us, they're going to have to be impactful. So play them as often as possible. I like them in those positions, and I agree with Charlie. Like, so Junior Dest has continued to get better, and think about how much better he's going to continue to be the more that he spends time in the environment of just being at Barcelona, having been out of the team, put on the transfer blocks. Javi comes in and has now transformed uh, his opinion of him and the, and the type of player that he can be. It seems like, by the way, seems like at, at Barcelona that you can get away with not defending. You got to defend there, right? Especially in the team that they're in now. They're young. They're hungry. It's different than than the last generation of players or the sort of gap generation of players. So I think he's going to continue to get better there, and I like him on the field as often as possible for the national team. Yeah, no, I agree with your guys' thoughts. I, mean, I think we're all on the same page on that. I think it might be the tier two guys, like who backs uh, up. That's that's who, exactly the center backs is the 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 question. Well, center backs too, but also who who's who backs up Anthony Robinson? Is it Dest? And if it's Dest, do we bring in an extra right back? Shaq Moore did well. Uh, with his time with the national team, the last go around and in some important minutes, uh, Reggie Cannon, somebody we relied on. He's, playing, Yedlin, he's, of course. Play, he's, he's back to playing too. So that's right. It. So, so I think that is kind of where the conversation needs to go. But in terms of uh, in case any of these guys are hurt, the right back position, if somebody gets hurt, I'm not so worried because we have guys that have stepped up different guys, Cannon, Moore, Yedlin. I'm not too worried about that. The left side is what makes me a little bit nervous. We still haven't given Joe Scally a chance, but to what Heath said a little bit earlier, Greg brought him in. He saw what he's about, and he it's not like he's hes invisible to to the coaching staff. So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. He's hes uh, right-footed. I mean, he, he, I, I get that he could play on the left side, but he is right-footed. Like, that's his dominant foot. And so for me, you want a natural left-footed player down the left flank. I just think it, it it's better. It it's balances the team well getting down because you have Christian who's playing left on the left side. He comes inside because he's right foot. I mean, he can go left to right, but he's he typically likes to come inside to his right. So you want your left back to be able to whip balls in and curl them away from the mm-hmm, keeper. Mm-hmm. Not so, true. Yeah. No, no, it's true. And You know what? Actually, what I love about the Morocco matchup in particular, I hope Morocco brings their full team because there has they been some, some chatter that they, they played so many games. They had AFCON. They had World Cup qualifying. They had their league seasons that maybe the coach will give him a rest, but I hope he doesn't. But it'll be Ashraf Hakimi versus Anthony Robinson. And that is, like, amazing. And I'm already getting the hype going for that one. Just start June 1st in Cincinnati, circled on your calendars. I can't wait for Hakimi versus Anthony Robinson. That's going to be a great test for, for Anthony in particular. But let's talk about the center backs, Heath. I feel like we might have had a little bit of differences in, in who should be starting these particular friendlies and, and moving forward. And, and who are you going with? Because I heard... Producer Alex say that there was some discrepancies in, in who you went with as opposed to me and Charlie. Yeah, I, I mean, 
again, it's it's a little bit of a, a change because I want us to play our best team for sure as often as possible, especially in these friendlies. But I think that if I'm Chris, great, Chris Berhalter, Richards is hurt. By the way, I just yeah, remind Chris you, hurt. Chris Richards no, is hurt. I'm going with Aaron Long. Them. Aaron Long in the team. Uh, because if, if Aaron Long is going to get back to the level that Greg Berhalter loved him at, he needs as many games as often as possible. And I like him next to Walker Zimmerman. Listen, I, you guys are on, you guys are on the, Mike, my my ears are blocked. I can't, I I didn't, listen, I I like Aaron Long too, but, but we we have limited minutes, Charlie. We have limited minutes to work with all these players. Robinson Robinson has not. Robinson has not proven to me in the last four or five months in, in this year, in this calendar year, mm-hmm. that he can be trusted at the highest level. And that's in CONCACAF. I'm worried about him in a World Cup. If the World Cup was today, Wait, I would but, not trust Robin, Miles but Robinson. But Aaron Long gives you the same, the different type of trust? Like, you're like, I just need to get this guy healthy? I don't think he's proven that he's at that level either. No, but he was good when he had his national team games, and Greg Berhalter loves him. Like, I know, I, Eric, well, I know that. Dumber Brown. He, he I, went I, ahead I, of Aaron Long, and he's playing consistent, consistently in Liga. He is, and he's been man of the match a few times in, in recent performances as they battle a relegation fight. I, I, well, Eric you guys Palmer are Brown. arguing with me, but neither of you guys are going to put Eric Palmer Brown in your I'm, I'm not, team, not so in my like, two friendlies, yeah. but I would put Eric Palmer Brown in my Nations League games. <laughs> what do you say, Charlie? <laughs> Heath is going to put Cameron Carter-Vickers in, in the team. No, I'm not putting him in, but you're not going to. You're gonna no, you're gonna I'm go not. with the same back line that we've had every single time. That is not that has not they've been decent, but like Miles Robinson's oh. performances haven't been but, great. But aren't we trying to build a report? We only have six games, man. Six games together. Give it to him. I agree. I, so so why wouldn't you put your best pairing to, to make sure that continues to get strengthened as opposed to hoping that Aaron Long gets to the health that we need him to to perform at a high level? Maybe you give him 45 minutes against because March, March to June, I think is a big amount of time for somebody coming back from an injury, trying to get back to that highest, highest level. So, so, okay. So you'd give Aaron Long June to November, you give Aaron Long those two, you give him both friendlies. No, I mean, I I think that there's, there's room for both of them in those friendlies, but I would, I, I still think our best matchup if, if Aaron Long is, is can get back to that level is Aaron Long and, and Walker Zimmerman. Because Aaron Long has the same pace as Robinson does. He can cover ground. He's just as simple of a player, but he's got more experience overall. A lot more experience. And I think Robinson has been shook a few times. I agree with you. he doesn't always bounce back. Yeah, because he, he's he still young. And he's got, I mean, he's I not agree. super young, but he's, you know, in his, what, 23 or something. I get it. I get it. He hasn't been as sharp as maybe we'd seen him, especially in the Gold Cup, where I thought he was he was continuing to get better with each game. And now I yeah. feel like he's hit somewhat of a plateau. Eh, plateau sounds negative, but, but has kind of reached a point, and now we need to see him push on. Now, Charlie, if you wanted to split that up, say we go with Heath and we find this this compromise, would you give Miles the Morocco game? They have Inezri up top, plays for Sevilla, scored a bunch of goals for his country. Obviously, if he's healthy, very dynamic player and, and can do a lot of different things, right? He can run in behind. He can hold the ball up. He, mm-hmm. He's good at uh, creating space in the box. Or would you give him... Or, or, or conversely, would you give Aaron Long, Uruguay, or vice versa? With Uruguay, is probably going to have Darwin Nunez, who is one of the hottest young strikers in all of Europe for Benfica. Scored against Liverpool a couple times. and Just a tremendous talent. And then you have Cavani and Suarez. You got some experienced guys up yep. top. I mean, who, this is, I, these, are impor- these are really important friendlies for our center back pairings in particular because these are the we're playing against some very, very good players in this game. I don't even want to hear center back pairings. I want to hear the whole back line. <laughs> the whole back line b- being consistent. And I like that. I like that. that. The, whether it's Dest, because Dest hasn't been, always been there, but Anthony Robinson and Dest, 
partnered with Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson. That's that's the best back line right now. That that's and that's who's going to play. Now, Mark McKenzie's starting to play again. Uh, I, I think Eric Palmer Brown has done a fantastic job, and he's uh, earning plaudits in in France. And it's a very difficult league to play in, and he's playing consistently. So he, his his I think his ability is only is only leveling up. Um, John Brooks, I think he's out of it. I think Cameron Carter Vickers is not going to be involved. Uh, I, I just think, you know, Greg has seen him, and I just don't, don't think he rates him. So he can play in as many. He doesn't Scottish, have the feet. He just doesn't Scottish have the feet. cups as, as you want. Um, so ultimately, you know, you, you look at Miles Robinson and, and Chris Richards. I think Chris Richards was the one who was going to push Miles out, off the team, but he's injured. And now it's going to be a, a long uphill battle to get back to not only full health, but also your, your best form. That takes as long as you are out. Sometimes it takes twice as long to get back to your form. Um, so I think it, I think it's clearly for me, Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman. So I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same because I want them to get those reps in high pressure situations. And to your point, Charlie developing those communication skills with our outside backs, right? Mm-hmm. You, you still have to have that movement. And of course, with whoever sits in front, Tyler Adams or whatever, block passing lanes, how we step, how we move, how do we drop? When the, when Anthony Robinson bombs forward, how are we organizing, bringing Sergio Des back and vice versa? Heath, do you not, I, I know you see the value in that, but you still feel like Aaron I Long see the value the in that. But I mean, I, I just think that, that based on experience and based on the fact that I've seen, like I, I was pure Miles Robinson. Like I was like, this guy is going to be our star. Like I had him above Walker Zimmerman if I was building my back line just because mm-hmm. he was making big plays. He's a threat in the box going forward. He had the ability to put out fires. His recovery speed was incredible. His positioning was pretty good. And then I just saw this shift in him. And going into comfortable? this year, so you think he got too I don't think he got comfortable. I think he got a little shook and and hasn't come out of that shell again of trusting his instincts, of playing at the speed that he needs to be able to play. Mm-hmm. And at the international level, and we're going to see that in these in these friendlies, you second guess for a second. We saw that with John Anthony Brooks getting pulled out of positions. You get beat. Game's over. Like, you're mm-hmm. now down a goal, right? And Miles Robinson, I haven't seen his and, – and it's more than just watching his reactions. It's a little bit of body language. It's a little bit of, like, when he's chest out, like, chin up, and kind of owning a back line versus when he's a little bit – almost feels a, a little timid. And I and I worry about that because we've all been in situations where you don't feel at your best. Whereas Aaron Long, uh, at his best, and 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 has the same exact tools, except a little bit more of a well to go back to if things aren't going well, right? A little bit of a more experience to tap into and say, okay, not my day. Just hit a long switch out of bounds. I just got beat on the dribble with this guy. I've got to, I've got to dial all of this back on a day like this just to show that I can be impactful for this team, simplify my game, as opposed to just caving in and having what could be a poor match, which could cost the team a result. Okay, so Heath, I'm going right back to you on this. Who are your four center backs that you're taking to the World Cup? Four center backs. Um, I assume you might be able to bring one more if they expand the rosters to 26. But this is just, really this go. is really hard right now, just because like. Well, I, I need it. a little bit more parameters because we have injured players. We have like, well, let's, you know, let's assume Every, everybody's healthy. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's healthy. Okay. Um, four center backs. Uh, I mean, uh, Miles Robinson. 
I'm taking Walker's <laughs> number. He picks him as number one, Charlie, yeah, even yeah, though yeah, I didn't yeah, believe it. Yeah. Right now. Well, I mean, that's oh, unbelievable. unbelievable yeah. to believe. <laughs> well, I, well, I didn't know that every time I talked, it had to be a power ranking. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm just naming names. Uh, name, the, name the best center back that comes to mind. Miles Robinson. Uh, yeah, Miles Robinson's the best center back. He's just not in great form right now. Uh, I, but I do think he could be. Uh, so Walker Zimmerman, Miles Robinson, and I've got. Uh, he switched his order there, Charlie. Aaron Long. That, that, yeah, and yeah. I've got. Um, Chris Richards. Man, this is where it's really hard. Yeah. I, McKenzie. Cameron Carter Vickers. Matt Miazga. I mean, Cameron Carter. Not Cameron Carter Vickers. Um, uh, John Brooks. I'm, no. I, I mean, the fourth one is, is, is my hardest because I think we're taking more than four. Do you think you're taking more than four center backs? Well, I think that you have the ability to take uh, a fifth for sure if with an expanded roster. If not, I still think that if you're looking at a um, – what's his name that's playing in France right now? I'm blanking on his name. Um, uh, Eric, Palmer Eric, Palmer Palmer Brown. Brown. Eric Palmer Brown, who could play as I, a in a back I, I, three or a back and a right four, back. yeah, as a right back. Like he's on you're, my you're, four again. You're talking about depth of coverage where you can say, okay, this is a guy that now maybe I don't need to bring uh, too many in others. Like it just becomes a hybrid that's worth one and a half positions. And maybe as you start to go through that breakdown to get to 26 or even 23, you now have a little bit more of a luxury. So he's one that I would actually pick pick uh if i'm going with five because i think you go with five in that one and then the fourth is chris richards i think he's above mark mckenzie right now i think he's above um james sands right now i think he's above i'm, I'm trying to think of anybody else who could potentially be in that that pool cameron carter vickers as well um yeah okay i uh by the way there's a question real quick that i want to answer how does Heath have long above uh cameron carter vickers brooks or richards uh i have because one, I, I think he's a fantastic player and 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 a, and a and a good athlete. And I think that we've decided as a national team that John Anthony Brooks being good on the ball is not as valuable as having good defenders that can like cover athletic ground, defenders, and, yeah. athletic defenders. And I think we've decided as a national team when I'm talking about uh, Cameron Carter Vickers, Cameron Carter Vickers is great in that sim simple center back situation as well. But he's the worst of all of them with his feet. And we need somebody who who at least can do the things of connecting lines on pass. We don't need we don't need. I would love to have a John Anthony Brooks in every position where he can spray the ball all over, comfortable under pressure, break lines on the dribble, those types of things that John Anthony Brooks brings. But I don't think he's in Greg's plans, and I think that he's a little bit of a liability in the way that we want to play defensively. Same with Brooks, and then Richards. I think he makes the, he makes the team, but we just see, I've just seen so little of Richards to really see him have a breakout performance where I go, okay, that's it. Some, um, but I, think I, but I do think, I think he has potential. I think the summer will dictate a lot of how we're feeling about a lot of these players, including yeah. the center backs. Charlie, how about you? Who are your four center backs you're taking? And then maybe give me a fifth if, if we take an expanded yeah. roster. Uh, definitely Walker Zimmerman and, yeah. and Miles Robinson, the two starters. Then I'm going to bring uh, Eric Palmer Brown mm -hmm. and Chris Richards. Mm -hmm. Those are my four. The fifth one. <laughs> the fifth, I love the, the side. Yeah, the fifth one is probably going to be Aaron. And you know, the the funny thing is, if you go back what two two and a half years, Aaron Long was the first center back on the on, on the mm -hmm. on the team sheet. Mm -hmm. Right, that's how quick things can happen. And we're mm -hmm. talking about right now, but in six months, maybe Mark McKenzie all of a sudden is is, is stellar in, in Belgium, and he turns it around because you know, if you remember with the Philadelphia Union. He was a starter, then kind of went into a hole, was was non-existent for a year, 
kind of uh, had his national team opportunity, went into a hole, and that didn't work out. Took him a whole year, and then he hit the ground running, mm-hmm. right? The the problem is they only have six months next year, not right. not the full right. season. So, right. um, I would say that that would be my full my five, um, and and Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman I think are clearly ahead of of anyone else. Yeah, I'm agreement with you. I think that I uh, like that four. I think Chris Richards will ultimately solidify his spot, not as a starter, but uh, as a competent backup for us. Uh, and then I, I agree. I think Aaron Long will be the fifth. I like Eric Palmer Brown. To give everybody some context, he's Absolutely. playing with Trois in Liga. He didn't really get to play too much. He's on loan from Manchester City, but uh, he finally got into like last 14, 15 games. Last two, he or two of the last six, he's been man of the match, even though his team has only scored 30 goals in 33 games. It puts a lot of pressure on the defenders to have to be perfect for them to get a result. They're currently in Liga. They're in 16th spot, two points out of the relegation zone. And they're only one point away from the, the team that's right below them in 17th. There's a whole bunch of teams that are like very close. So I almost think it comes down to what happens. Because if he can stay with Twa and, and they stay up, then he's in a good competition. They're obviously trusting him in big matches now. And I think he could, again, to use your phrase, Charlie, hit the ground running into the next season and really build upon what he's done this year. But if they get relegated, that gives me a little bit of cause for concern because that means he'll probably have to find another team. And then he's got to kind of reset and build that trust all over again. That's the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous about Eric Palmer Brown. In terms of his ability, I have no doubt. But it's, again, speaking to that Mark McKenzie thing that you mentioned, it's finding your confidence at the right time. Mm -hmm. So even though I think Aaron Long is probably in the team, because to his point, Greg loves him. And he does have some of the things that Greg really appreciates in the center back position, which is essentially recovery speed is he's got one of those and, and he's super athletic and, and tough to beat in one V one situations. But ultimately uh, I, I would like to see Eric Palmer Brown, um, assuming they're all healthy and playing well uh, go through, but we'll see. And I think they'll add a different spot to that. Go ahead, John. And to add Eric Palmer Brown, I wouldn't be surprised either if they do stay up that he goes to another French. That's true. Team. That's true. Because you're using it as a stepping stone. I mean, it's, a, spring, it's a springboard. Yeah, you're uh, you're on loan at Trois, but if Trois stays up, they're still going to be back in the same spot next year. They're going to be mm-hmm. competing mm-hmm. amongst the teams for for promote uh, to stay um, above the line. So this is a, a great time for him to showcase his quality to the rest of Liga. And if you're looking at the rest of Liga, and there's some some really good teams, but Montpellier. Lille, he could join Lille with uh, Timo Weah, Nantes, Lyon, Lens, yeah, uh, right. Nice. Those are those are all teams that will always kind of be in the middle, middle to, to upper end. And if he's done well enough, man, that's, that's true. Good point. A great spot. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot that we're gonna have to unpack. I think, especially over the summer, is a lot of these players in every position. In Let's our go. National team. But it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be exciting. All right, everybody, we're going to call it here. I'm going to give final thoughts here to the boys. But uh, that was the goalkeepers and defenders as things stand right now. Obviously, we're very excited for these upcoming friendlies, who get called in, who gets to play, what happens with Gaga, Salinina, and all that stuff. We're going to be doing midfielders next week, and uh, we're going to continue to work on some special guests. We have some big names. Uh, apparently, Timo Weah might be joining us here in the near future. Maybe we'll get Eric Palmer Brown on since he's on the tip oh, of our yes. tongue right now. That would be cool as well. Charlie, I'll come process? to you. I, no, I don't, but uh, uh, you can take over that interview if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, Charlie, no. come to you first. Final thoughts about uh, anything you want to discuss, U.S. men's national team related, or anything we discussed today. I, I feel confident that we have our back line set in order. Goalkeeper, I think, is just a question of time and, and health, right? I think Zach Steffen, if he's healthy, we won't have to worry. 
and he's in a situation where he's playing every week. Mm-hmm. Last, what two years ago when he was in, in in the Bundesliga and he was playing every week, he he was phenomenal and he looked like he was confident and he was growing and he he was just getting better. I think as a backup, no matter where you are, Real Madrid, Chelsea, uh, Manchester City, Manchester United, you have a ceiling as a backup because you're not playing regularly. Right now, that ceiling's still high, but when you're talking about a World Cup. You have to be playing consistently. You have to have the in-game match experience to continue to grow so you're sharp because your sharpness is not going to be there when you're talking about match fitness. So um, I'm, I'm a little concerned about where our goalies are because Matt Turner, as good as he is, is going to be in the same boat. Right. Ethan Horvath, he's going to be in the same boat at Nottingham Forest unless he makes a move and maybe it's to MLS mm-hmm. in, in the summer. Mm-hmm. But uh, – I'm a little concerned at the goalkeeper position, but the back line, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident. Okay. And then Heath, talk to us about uh, your back four for these upcoming friendlies. One more time as a recap and then your final thoughts. Yeah, my back four is uh, same same as as your guys. I want to get Aaron Long some, some more valuable minutes. Um, and, you know, my closing thoughts to this is that six months out, it's, it's a lifetime um, for, for some of these players in a lot of circumstances that need to be solved and filled. And, you know, again, I still think there's room for a few people to emerge uh, at a level that we haven't seen from them yet. But I do agree with Charlie that it's about getting our best 11 on the field and, and starting to, to, to zero in on what our best 11, not even 11, but 13, 14, because, you know, God forbid you go with your best 11 and then a week before the World Cup that changes and you've got nobody, you know, injury or whatever that could happen. So we've seen a number of guys that we all know miss out on World Cups uh, due to due to injury leading up to it and and things change, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's it. No. All right. I love that. And I don't have any other final thoughts other than to tell you <laughs> to join us tomorrow. We have another in soccer. We trust tomorrow coming to you live here on the YouTubes, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And if you're listening to us, on any kind of podcast platform that you prefer. You can listen to us anytime you want. That's the beauty of it. Make sure you hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review when you get there. We really appreciate subscribe, it. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Subscribe, hit it. Let's we just go. got 3,000 subscribers here on YouTube. Let's keep pushing that number up. Let's keep building this really special community because it's very clear to me that all of us care about the U.S. Men's National Team mm-hmm. on a very deep level, and that is very cool to be a part of this journey with you guys as we look to have some success at the 2022 World Cup. So on behalf of producer Alex, Charlie Davis, Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying we'll see you tomorrow for In Soccer We Trust. Later.